From KYW News Radio, the Delaware Valley's news authority, this is Flashpoint. What's igniting debate online and in your community? I'm KYW Community Affairs reporter Cherry Gregg, and we'll run through the big issues of the week that are getting folks hot under the collar. Coming up... A mass shooting in Las Vegas claims 58 lives and injured hundreds. It also reignites the debate over gun control. This has to be the time to talk about it. Hear from gun control and gun rights advocates as well as those impacted. We're not talking about taking away people's guns. Are it there, kind of are, sounds are, like not, that a bit, though. Okay. Why some believe this shooting could be a change maker. He's using his status on the football field to push for change. My influence and reach goes far beyond my social media following. Three ways a Philadelphia Eagle is leading the conversation on criminal justice reform. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the debate over gun control in the wake of a mass shooting during a country music concert in Las Vegas that killed 58 people and injured more than 500. So there's a shooting, there's a shooting. The gunman, 64-year-old Stephen Paddock, is still a mystery as investigators try to figure out the motive for the shooting. Lawmakers are now calling for stricter gun control. Even staunch gun rights advocates are asking questions. Here's what Philly had to say. We got people dying. Some people are afraid to go out. Nobody needs a semi-automatic machine gun. This has to be the time to talk about it. With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Shira Goodman, executive director of Ceasefire PA, Esther Davis, grandmother to six-year-old Mahaj Brown, who was shot 10 times with an AK-47 back in 2016. And finally, on the phone, we have Maj Ture, founder of Black Guns Matter. Welcome to Flashpoint. Thanks for having us. We all heard about what happened in Las Vegas this week. I want to go around and just get reaction from you. And I'll start with you, Shira. I was horrified that yet again, this has happened. The death toll, so high, so many injured. In the last year and a half, we've now broken two records. And it's shameful. But those 59 people, we lose 93 a day to suicide, homicide, unintentional shootings. We need to be having a completely different conversation about safety and guns and regulation than we've been having. And I hope this will finally kick some people into having that conversation. Maz, your reaction? At Black Guns Matter, we're dealing with firearms safety and training and education so people don't do these things to give people the tools to defend themselves against these types of travesties. I don't even know really what to say, but to all of the family members that lost family members, you know, it's really about them at this point more than anything else to me. Esther, I know that your grandson was severely impacted. What's your reaction when you heard about this? My condolences to all the family members and the victims of the shooting. I was actually in Vegas, and we left Friday. Had I stayed, I could have probably been there. It's scary. It's happening everywhere. Every time we have a mass shooting, there's a huge rush to talk about gun control. Is this debate the same as before? We do start having this debate. People will say it's not time to talk about it. It's too easy for people to get guns who shouldn't have them. We have too many guns. We need to talk about the kinds of guns that are available. And all of those things are consistent with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is not sacred among our rights. It's the same as the other rights. It's subject to reasonable regulation. Instead, in Harrisburg and Washington, we're always talking about how do we get more guns to more people. We need to totally change that conversation. I think Cher is completely inaccurate in that sense. I think we, as more evolved people, especially in America, 
need to have the conversation about how can we limit people that do the wrong thing and stop them and, and punish them properly, as well as how can we maintain the rest of America's freedoms? Do I think that there needs to be a, a more people informed, educated, and safe? Absolutely. To the extent where we're boxing people in and limiting their human rights, I disagree with that. I, 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 and I want to get Esther to weigh in because your grandson was shot with the AK-47. Yeah, he was leaving my home around 11 p.m. that night. I was going on a trip, so his godfather picked him up. As I watched him get in the car, then I heard gunshots. The gunshots were so loud, I thought they were coming through my window. So I immediately jumped to the floor, called his goddad, and he's like, Mom, we're hit, we're hit. The size of those bullet holes, the size of a quarter. Imagine a child getting hit ten times. So, yeah, people have the right to bear arms. People have the right to defend themselves. But where, what defense did he have? And, and Maz, what do you think about that? I mean, is there a line, do you think? Whether it's a high-powered weapon or if it's a Saturday Night Special, everyone has the right to live. We tend to think that guys that are about, and women that are about, you know, Second Amendment and preserving rights, that somehow that means that we're anti-life. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. A six-year-old does not deserve that. I hope and pray that that person never leaves jail. Maj, the, the pro- problem here is we're punishing people that are doing the right thing with their human rights well, for Maj, the sins of the people that are doing the wrong thing with a tool. This, sh- mm-hmm. this shooter in Las Vegas, by all accounts, he was a law-abiding gun owner and a good guy until he went up into that hotel room and started shooting. He passed his background checks. He bought things legally. He bought this bump fire stock that can convert a semi-automatic into almost a fully automatic, and that was legal. It may not be in now, the future. Yeah. In the future, our rights have responsibilities. Right. Should there be I a limitation? Should people be able to buy AK-47s? No, yes. I don't agree with that. If you murder somebody with a knife, a car, we punish them under the law. I think what's happening is we have these revolving doors where guys get out and women get out when they should not get out. There should be mandatory minimums in that sense for people that are using firearms to harm American citizens. Could you say instead of being able to own 14 high-power rifles, you can only own five? How about none? Why do you need an AK-47 mm-hmm. to protect yourself? When you talk about mass shootings, you're talking about 1% of shootings. Do you think the audience of the victim here, which is people who love country music... Will this change the discussion? Exactly. And yes, because you realize bullets don't discriminate. White, black, brown. We all bleed red, and we all love our kids, and we all want to be safe. So yes, I think more people will start talking about this. Maj, one thing I agree with him is these shootings are a small percentage of they the are. daily toll of gun they violence. They, just, they are so big, but we can't forget about what's happening in the cities, what happened to Esther's grandson. He, he lost his leg, and her grandson survived. Right. So we have to do something. And we're not talking about taking away people's guns. Are it there, kind of are, sounds well, not, like that a bit, though. Okay. I think there are things that we can do to make sure that guns don't get in the hands of people who have intent to do harm, who are dangerous to themselves and others. Are there any limitations that would be acceptable Well, there to already are limits in place. Again, it's a 4473. So no we additional. So the answer is, other than what already exists, exists, no. Everything exists. Maybe we shouldn't even be talking about gun control to stop these mass shootings. I think we should be talking about safe, responsible ownership, but I think we should be having conversations about whether there are certain kinds of guns that shouldn't be on the market or if they should be differently regulated, if there are certain kind of regulations on ammunition, which is virtually unregulated right now. And we also need to talk about economic opportunity, educational opportunity. I want to deter it before it happens. What can be done is more education, more training, not restricting the people that are doing the right thing with their rights 
There needs to be stop being that revolving door at the prison industrial complex. We have to stop pretending as if we're not infringing on the Second Amendment and a most a most Americans rights to defend their human life. Miss Esther, I mean, this I, is you've seen it happen. You've seen the result of it. What do you think the conversation should be focused on? There's always a limit to everything. If you are allowed to purchase a gun, it should be a limit to the type of gun. I don't think you should have an AK-47 in your home. If you are allowed to purchase a gun, then it should be a regulation that says you need to be taught how to use this gun. 15-second final word. I mean, this is likely going to happen again. Guns are already regulated. I do agree that people should get training. But when the government steps in and says, hey, you have to do this particular thing. Nah, I think each individual citizen should be responsible on their own. We let our rights be regulated in all sorts of ways, and we need to change the way we talk about this. And it's important that people who think like Maj does and who think like I do talk to each other. So I appreciate the opportunity. It's not just the per- people that's purchasing the guns. You have to look at every aspect. More stipulations should be applied. More strict things should be applied before you're able to get a gun. Thank you to Maj Ture. Thank you to Esther Davis. Thank you to Shira Goodman for talking about this flashpoint in the news. Next up, our newsmaker of the week is using his position on the football field to make an impact in criminal justice reform. We've been looked at as troublemakers and people who are trying to race bait, when in all actuality, that's not the case. I'll tell you three ways this eagle is helping to create solutions. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. To Neil or not to Neil has burned up social media and taken over the headlines. And Philadelphia Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins has been seen on television, in newspapers, and on social media voicing his position. The activist, entrepreneur, and philanthropist tweeted a call for players and fans to lock arms during a game last month. And the people responded. Malcolm, welcome to Flashpoint. I appreciate you having me. You've been extremely busy, and a lot of it has to do with your passion for criminal justice reform. It all started last year with the deaths of uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castell. I wanted to learn what the issues were. The first thing we did, we reached out to Philadelphia police and, and sat down with the Commissioner Ross. That conversation led me more so looking at our criminal justice system and the policies behind our police, more so than killings of, of people in, in the community. That led to me doing ride-alongs with the police that took me with uh, other NFL players to Capitol Hill, meeting with members of Congress mm-hmm. to talk about legislation to reform. We went to visit a couple prisons. We took Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell, through that same tour that I had went through over the, over this past year in one day uh, with community groups uh, in North Philadelphia. And it was a good opportunity for them to get a better understanding of you know what the players have kind of been demonstrating for what we've been use, trying to use our platform to draw attention to. Yeah, so tell me something surprising that you learned. The most disheartening thing, not necessarily the police or the prison system, but the reentry and what that looks like as you try to transition out of jail or the prison system and try to become a productive citizen. People can, you know, deny you loans. You don't get public assistance. Housing. Housing, education. You know, all of these things that are, are vital for people to succeed and, and grow wealth and, and, and become productive citizens are denied to you. And, and you're saying that one third of Americans, you know, are in that bucket. You know, those are things that I feel like 
I, I didn't know going into it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't really understand just how vast and, and these, these issues are and how many people they affect, especially communities of color. We've been kind of robbing these communities of fathers, leaders, talent. Being a professional football player allows you access and voice that other people don't have. How did you view this platform and did it sort of shift for you? You know, at first, the... The extent of my activism was to see a video, retweet a hashtag, and then that was kind of it. But once I started to proactively look for opportunities to help, mm-hmm. I began to see that my influence and reach goes far beyond my social media following. And so being able to get a meeting within a week or so with the, the commissioner of, of police here in Philadelphia was I did you know you could do that kind of stuff? I didn't at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then it was like within three weeks we of deciding we wanted to go to Capitol Hill, we got meetings with legislators. People who do this work day in and day out, lobby or on the Hill all the time, sometimes don't get the meet- those meetings. Once we realized that we can get into these doors, we wanted to make sure that you know we use that, that leverage, but not necessarily bringing our voices to the table, but bringing the voices to the table of people who've been doing this work day in and day out. There's been recent controversy about kneeling during the anthem. Talk about what you were doing, why you decided to tweet about this issue. So I've been raising my fist since last uh, September during the anthem. Uh, I saw what happened when Kaepernick took a knee and he knelt or sat at first. And just the amount of uh, backlash he got that had nothing to do with his actual message. I Mm -hmm. thought it just... It, it it got lost, and but I think it was one of those opportunities for me to use something that's already been done. You know, we talk about Tommy Smith and, and John Carlos back in the day raising their fists. You know, everybody kind of already knows the context of, of that demonstration. So that's why I chose what I've done. But, you know, in recent, recent events, I thought it important to highlight the support that our players have gotten from their own teammates, from mm-hmm. their from their organizations, from their fan base, because everything up until this point um, has really been divisive and we've been looked at as troublemakers and people who are trying to race bait um, when, in, when in all actuality that's not the case. Now you've come into Philly you've been here a few years now you like Philly? Mm-hmm. I mean I, I like it I like being in Philly uh, the food is good. It's an activist city. And I saw that you blog now. You also have a couple businesses, yeah. foundation. I came to Philly and got so much support from, you know, not only just the fans, but the community in general. It makes it much more enjoyable for me when I can, you know, plant my own roots and really get involved and entrenched in the community. Do you feel like there's something on the field that you want to focus on as well? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I still want to bring a Super Bowl to the city. The older I get, the the more and more I take on outside of the field. But, you know, football is still my number one focus. What would you like to see happen from all these efforts that you and other players are putting in to get reforms? I want to be able to empower others through my businesses. Everything I do, I'm trying to give opportunities. So when I see, you know, myself being done with, with all of this, I want to be able to look at how many people I've impacted and not just gave them a handout, but really equip them with an opportunity to reach their own potential. I know how many things you have to do right in order to get to this position and then to use it for good. I congratulate you on that. So thank you so much for appearing on Flashpoint. Thank you. Next up, our Changemaker of the Week started a campaign to spark human connection. I felt so moved by that interaction. Her idea and how and when you can get involved. Radio.com. Radio. 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 
is Flashpoint. We here at KYW are all about community, and this week, it's all about getting rid of loneliness and low self-worth by spreading love through positive connections. I'm here in the KYW studio with Cheryl Rice, creator of a campaign that's about to kick off its second year next month. Welcome to Flashpoint, Cheryl. Explain your idea. The idea really is to spread kindness around the world and build positive connections between individuals and within communities by encouraging people to share business-sized cards with only the words, you matter on them. And we're calling this idea the You Matter Marathon, No Running Required. And our goal is to share 1 million You Matter cards during the month of November. Last year, we did this and we actually shared almost half a million cards. We had people participate from all 50 states and 59 countries. So why did you decide that people needed this boost? Last, actually it was 2015, when somebody gave me a card that had the words you matter on it. I was so touched, I literally felt as if I'd been hugged. And I decided to order my own you matter cards. And I started sharing them, first with friends, then with family members. And I got more and more brave and started sharing them even with strangers. So I was standing behind a woman in the checkout line. And the cashier asked her how she was doing. And she said, not so great. My husband just lost his job. My son is up to his old tricks. I just don't know how I'm going to get through the holidays. And she pulled out food stamps to pay. And in that moment, I didn't know what to do. So frankly, I froze and I did nothing. And we're both in the parking lot returning our carts and there's no one else around. And I just summoned up my courage and I went up to her and I said, excuse me, I just want you to have this. And I gave her a You Matter card and she started to cry. And we hugged and then I went back to my car and frankly, I started to cry. And it was then that I realized there's such power in this message. And I I felt so moved by that interaction. And I was finishing up a certificate program in applied positive psychology and we needed to do a final project. And that's when the idea for the marathon was born. So tell me how it works. People can participate in one of two ways, either as an individual or as what we call an ambassador. Individuals who sign up will receive 30 cards for free while supplies last. And ambassadors represent groups such as churches, synagogues, mosques, community centers, schools, businesses that want to participate. I will again send the ambassador 30 cards for free and then I send the ambassador a link to how they can get as many cards as they need for their organization and those they do purchase. Beyond that, if purchasing them is not possible, we actually give a card template that looks just like our card so people could print the cards. We just want more and more people to experience this magic in November. What has been the reaction when people have received these cards? Most often, the first thing people do when they receive a card is turn it over, and they're looking for the catch. What are you selling? What are you asking me to do? And when they see there's nothing on the card except the words you matter, then their shoulders relax, and you can see them absorb and breathe in the message. You matter. I matter. We matter. That's amazing. You want to see a million cards given out worldwide, which would double what you did last year. Yes, that's the goal. And I know that no matter what number we reach is going to make a difference. And the ripple effect is really incalculable. We can't lose. Yeah. Youmattermarathon.com. Go sign up. Get your cards. I have mine. I'm going to have a really good time giving these out. Thank you, Cheryl Rice. That's it for Flashpoint. You can follow KYW News Radio on Twitter and let us know what you think by using the hashtag Flashpoint. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As French philosopher Albert Camus once said, absolute freedom mocks at justice. Absolute justice denies freedom. To be fruitful, the two ideas must find their limits in each other. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, thanks for listening.